man-to-man coverage. This is the PFT PM Podcast. And now, your host, Mike Florio. This is the PFT PM Podcast for Tuesday, September 4. A little later than usual. Long day of travel. Some news to get to around the NFL via ProFootballTalk.com. And I'll admit it, I had to take a little nap. Long day. Lots of travel. Hot out. Getting older. Got to take a little snooze from time to time so I can keep going well into the evening, which we'll be doing tonight. More stories at ProFootballTalk.com. A little NBC business to take care of by way of a, of a dinner gathering. So off we go for our three days in Philadelphia. Here for the first game of the regular season, the Atlanta Falcons and the Philadelphia Eagles on Thursday night. PFT Live will originate from NBC Sports Philadelphia on Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. Wednesday and Thursday, we'll have Chris Sims involved from Connecticut, Peter King from New York City, I believe, on Friday. So co-hosts for each of the three days coming up on PFT Live. For now on PFT PM, it's just me. Probably today and we'll do something Wednesday. Don't know if I can do one Thursday. I'll be home Friday afternoon and maybe we'll try to get a guest for Friday afternoon's edition of the PFTPM podcast. I want to go over some of the news today. And one thing that I want to talk about that I touched on during PFT Live, I haven't written about this yet at PFT because there just hasn't been time. As it relates to the Nike decision to partner with Colin Kaepernick, and this isn't the standard low-level, we'll-give-you-shoes type of a thing, and you wear them. That's the other side of it. Give you shoes and you wear them. This is a deal where he gets paid and they're reportedly developing a clothing line and this is a big deal. And look, this is happening for one reason and one reason only from Nike's perspective. This isn't some grand effort by Nike to create social awareness, to do what it thinks is right at whatever expense, to find itself on the right side of history 50 years from now. I mean, basically Nike isn't doing what the message of the Kaepernick ad encourages people to do, which is essentially, and I'm paraphrasing because I don't have it in front of me, stand up for something even if it means you're going to lose everything, or words to that effect. Nike is doing this for one reason and one reason only. Nike is doing it to separate us from our money. Nike views this as a way to capitalize, i.e. capitalism, on the marketplace, a way to generate buzz, a way to generate sales, a way to generate revenue, and ultimately a way to generate profit. This is a for-profit, publicly traded company, which means there's a fiduciary obligation to shareholders, which means they can't just go willy-nilly acting on whatever, you know, willy-nilly doesn't get used enough. I like willy-nilly. I wonder if there is a person named William Nilly somewhere in the world. I bet there is. I digress. This isn't an effort to just fritter away corporate assets. Fritter, another word not used nearly enough. This is an effort to make money. And so there is a key similarity between Nike and the president. When the president pushes that button that he pushes from time to time about how unpatriotic and un-American it is for people like Colin Kaepernick and other NFL players to protest during the anthem, he's doing that to get a reaction from a specific group of people. And he does, and it works. Nike partnering with Kaepernick to get a specific reaction from a specific group of people, and it remains to be seen whether it works. There's a chance this is all the 2018 equivalent of new Coke, right? 
It's possible this is just a bad business decision, and there are plenty of voices out there with a clear bias, a clear mindset, a clear point of view that they try to act like they don't have. The the people that you should believe least in this world are the people who have an obvious bias and pretend that they don't. But, you know, there are people who are claiming this is a horrible business decision. Well, let's see. Let's see. Just because the stock goes down a little bit one day doesn't make it a bad decision. And I didn't see what the final tally was for today in comparison to other major apparel providers. I mean, the bottom line is this. People are talking about Nike. And the money they're paying to Colin Kaepernick is generating plenty of free buzz. And Darren Ravel had a poll which showed 50% of the people who responded, they're not going to change their buying habits one way or the other. 21% said they're less likely to buy Nike products. 29% said they're more likely. So that's a net gain. That's a net gain. And we'll see how it all plays out. But the difference between Nike and the NFL, the NFL understood by virtue of the surveys that were conducted last year, the secret surveys that we heard about at some point during this collusion process, where it showed that a roughly equal size of the fan base is on either side of the Colin Kaepernick divide. But for whatever reason, the NFL chooses only to heed those people on the anti-side. Well, Nike heeding the people on the pro side and finding a way to spin it into a message that maybe, and here's the hidden benefit. And I hadn't thought of this until just now. This is why I love doing this stream of consciousness. Stuff just flies out of my mouth. And sometimes it is the result of deliberate thought coming out of my brain. And now I've talked my way right out of the point I was going to make. Oh, the effort to publicize and glamorize Colin Kaepernick's sacrifice could cause more people to slide toward his side of this debate. Because even though this is one of the polarizing issues and this is reality in America now, you've got people on one side, you've got people on the other, there are always some people who really don't care. There's always going to be that apathetic middle on any issue. Well, if these ads, and I'm told the commercial is great and the print ad is compelling, I've seen that, I haven't seen the commercial yet, but If that causes people in the apathetic middle to slide toward Kaepernick, all of a sudden, well, well, hmm, maybe it does make sense to do business with Colin Kaepernick. And let me go next level cynical here. What if Nike isn't doing this? Nah, let me, you know, I don't believe it, but let me just sound it out. What if Nike is doing this not in defiance of the NFL, but at the behest of the NFL? What if this is the NFL's way to lay the foundation to bring Colin Kaepernick back? Nike does an ad campaign. The people in the apathetic middle slide toward Colin Kaepernick's point of view. They begin to outnumber the people who will huff and puff and may or may not tear the NFL's house down over protests during the anthem. And the next thing you know, Kaepernick's back in the league. I mean, really, as a football matter, he should be in the league. And we all understand that Colin Kaepernick isn't for reasons other than football. The question as it relates to his collusion grievance is whether 31, 32 teams simultaneously and coincidentally decided he's bad for business versus the league office sending out a message that was heeded by 32 teams to stay away from Colin Kaepernick. And maybe, maybe, look look at, the, the timeline is just too coincidental. Maybe, Now that the NFL realizes it's not going to have a legal silver bullet that keeps Colin Kaepernick's collusion grievance from going 
to a full-blown hearing, and I wish it was an actual trial, but a full-blown hearing where owners are going to have to walk in and testify, and they're going to be aggressively questioned, and they may, you know, all the concerns about Donald Trump testifying or being interviewed by Robert Mueller, this is a non-political observation. Let me just get this out before you react. All the concerns about Trump testifying or being interviewed by Robert Mueller are valid for any person who is really rich and really powerful because they think they can talk their way out of anything. It is a product, and possibly it's part of what you need to get that successful, but it's a product definitely of being that successful. You don't like to have to answer tough questions, and you will say whatever you have to say because it's more about how you say it, not what you say. And it's about winning that battle of wills with the person who is interrogating you. And how dare you talk to me that way? Don't you know who I am? Don't you know how much money I make? Who are you asking me these questions? And the next thing you know, the truth gets all twisted up into something that is inherently contradictory. Now, we've heard from time to time that the president is concerned that he's walking into a perjury trap. And it's framed as if the president is contradicted by someone else, then they're going to believe the other person, the someone else, and it becomes perjury. And that's not how perjury works. You still have to prove it beyond a reasonable doubt. Well, what if the president contradicts himself? What if one of these owners talks long enough that they're on each side of the same question? When were you lying? That's always the best way to get a witness at trial. When you have a deposition transcript that that person is contradicting at trial, you, and there's a way to do it, it's one of the things they teach you in law school. You, you walk up, you have them read it to themselves. You make sure that, that it's all accurate. You, you read it out loud. And you ask, did I read that correctly? And the message is, were you lying then or are you lying now? And you always look to set that up because you can destroy a witness's credibility if there's something that the witness said in a prior sworn setting that the witness is now contradicting now. And with people like the president, like NFL owners, like corporate CEOs, like sports commissioners, there's a chance that they may contradict themselves in that very setting. So my point is this. It took me a while to get there, but here we are, other than in Philadelphia. Here we are. Maybe by Nike creating a sense that Colin Kaepernick should be embraced. If Nike can persuade the pathetic, the apathetic, not pathetic, the apathetic, big difference, middle, to go in Kaepernick's direction, Maybe that makes it easier for the NFL to suddenly bring Kaepernick back and maybe it makes this collusion case go away. I don't think at this point they're going to get out of it that easily, but I just had to share that ultra-cynical view that just came to mind. I mean, consider this. The NFL statement that was issued on Tuesday, what, what are they even stating? Here's the full statement. The National Football League believes in dialogue, understanding, and unity. We embrace the role and responsibility of everyone involved with this game to promote meaningful, positive change in our communities. The social justice issues that Colin and other professional athletes have raised deserve our attention and action. Okay, so what are you saying? And why are you saying it now a day after your exclusive apparel provider has done business with Colin Kaepernick? Why do you feel compelled to say anything about Colin Kaepernick? And I think they said something because they were inundated by requests from people for comment about the Nike relationship. But what are they going to say? We're disappointed? They can't say that. That adds fuel to his grievance. I'm surprised what they didn't say was something along the lines of Nike can do business with whoever it wants to do business with, period. And 
our 32 teams can do business with whoever they want to do business with. And if anyone wants to offer Colin Kaepernick a contract, that's their prerogative, period. So I think they just know that this minefield is so delicate and so packed with mines, there's really nothing that they can say that makes it any better. So they issue a statement that essentially says nothing. So to summarize, Nike trying to make money. Maybe next level cynicism, the NFL getting Nike to fashion an ad campaign that gets the apathetic middle to slide in Kaepernick's direction, tipping the scale decidedly in favor of Colin Kaepernick and making it easier for an NFL team to hire him, although I don't really buy that part of it. And then the president got involved. He had an exclusive Oval Office interview with the Daily Caller. And look, what, what did we expect? We, we know what to expect from the president. We know where he stands on this. And he said it's a terrible message that Nike is sending by doing business with Kaepernick. And of course, he had to point out Nike is a tenant of mine. I thought he was out of all of his businesses, but I, I don't know how that works enough to comment. But here's the key. Here's the key. After he says, I think it's a terrible message, Nike is a tenant of mine, they pay a lot of rent, I already said that, Here's it, here it, he says it again, I think it's a terrible message that they're sending, and the purpose of them doing it, maybe there's a reason for them doing it, but I think as far as sending a message, I think it's a terrible message, and a message that shouldn't be sent, there's no reason for it. But then, 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 there's a little crack there. As much as I disagree with the Colin Kaepernick endorsement, in another way, I mean, I wouldn't have done it. In another way, it is what this country is all about, that you have certain freedoms to do things that other people think you shouldn't do, but I personally am on a different side of it. That is a far cry from what he said back in August of 2016, that if this country isn't working out for Colin Kaepernick, maybe he should find another one. And yet, here's the thing. Politicians say what they have to say for political purposes, and this is not just the president, this is all politicians, they all, and you can call it lie, you can use whatever word you want, but they all will say a politi- politically expedient thing from time to time. But every once in a while, the truth kind of snakes through, pops through, there it is, oops, oh, oh, wait a minute, I said something that I truly believe and it defies the things that I should say, that I should believe for political purposes. And this isn't just a product of the current president. I'm sure every president to some degree or another had that quality. You have to do that in that world. But maybe deep down the president believes that this is what the country is all about. We do have these freedoms. Could it cause people to, I don't know, think differently about the protests that occurred during the anthem, peaceful protests at a time when there is maximum opportunity to be noticed? When else are you going to do it if you don't do it during the anthem? Now, look, I don't think that this means the president is going to stop resorting to criticism of NFL athletes. I think he knows it's a good issue. He said it's a winning issue. And now that the season is coming, the midterm elections are approaching, and this new Bob Woodward book, I think, is going to ignite more criticism, more concern, and it's going to have even more of an impact as it relates to this siege mentality. I think we're going to see the president continue to come back to this issue over and over again. But keep in mind that comment, because I was stunned by this. It's what this country is all about, that you have certain freedoms to do things that other people think you shouldn't do. Yes, yes, and that's what we're saying when we support the players who protest during the anthem and why they do it. 
They're not doing it because they don't like America. They're doing it because they don't like certain things about this country as it relates to the experience of, of, of minorities and African-Americans. All right. I'm fascinated by this one. Odell Beckham Jr. may return punts. And I like the idea of, in the right circumstance, letting a great player do something like that on special teams. However, it was 20 years ago or thereabouts that Jason Seahorn wanted to return kicks for the Giants. Remember Jason Seahorn? You'd remember him more quickly if he'd gotten to, you know, really play out his full career, but he suffered a torn ACL in a preseason game against the Jets while returning a kick. So be careful about that. Use it sparingly. Use it in big moments. Also, maybe Saquon Barkley, according to Coach Pat Shermer, will return kickoffs. So in, in certain spots. Just be careful. Jason Seahorn, that's all I have to say. Aaron Donald acknowledging that there is pressure that comes with his new contract. Of course there is, but that's good. That's the reaction you want. You don't want the guy to get complacent. You want the guy to feel like he now has to go earn it. And that's been one of the concerns over the years when it comes to paying defensive tackles. Will they still be motivated to go earn it? It hurts to be double and triple teamed by large men. And it's one thing to do it because you're chasing a contract. It's another thing to do it once you've caught the contract, once you have the guaranteed money. It becomes easier at that point to just coast. Will Aaron Donald continue to play as hard as he always has? Sounds like he will. This Braylon Edwards story is just bizarre. Now he says he was drunk. So don't suspend me because I tweeted things I shouldn't have said. Suspend me because I was drunk and I was tweeting. And you know what? I mean, look, I, I, I'll have a few drinks from time to time, but I, I, and I haven't been quote unquote drunk in a while. I mean, I like to have a couple of cocktails down at the barn. I like to have a glass of wine or two if I'm out to dinner. Only one if I'm driving. At home, maybe two. You get that nice little feeling. You're having a good time. But I mean, I, I rarely get to the point where I would call myself quote unquote drunk. And even then, I'd like to think I have enough uh, wherewithal to not start tweeting ridiculous things. I just don't think that's the best defense, although there really isn't a defense for Braylon Edwards. He got suspended. He said something he shouldn't have said. He's working for the network that's owned and operated by the conference. See, that's why he's suspended. This is what I rail about from time to time as it relates to NFL Network and team-owned websites. If, If you're truly independent, you can say these things. But if you're working for Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State, all the other teams in the Big Ten, and you say something like this, you're you're out. You're done. And I I have a feeling it's going to be hard for him to come back from that, especially because now he's talking about uh, being inebriated when he tweeted, which isn't going to make him more appealing to the powers that be at the Big Ten Network. Season is two days away. We know Nick Foles is going to be playing quarterback for the Eagles. And, you know, I've got a habit of picking the home team in these games to win this season opening game, number one, because they were the defending Super Bowl champions. They're a good team. Number two, they're playing at home. It's a, you know, it's an emotional night, raising the banner, celebrating the Super Bowl championship. But you know, in recent years, the home team hasn't done so well in this game. And I, I just think one of the reasons we heard and saw Doug Peterson crack up a little bit a couple of days ago, I think he knows that it's going to be hard week in and week out to win with Nick Foles. And if you rack up two or three losses early in the season, that reduces your margin for error as it relates to 
trying to be the number one seed again. And then if you have to take the show on the road to Atlanta, New Orleans, Minnesota, Green Bay, wherever, in January, it becomes a lot harder to win. A lot harder to win. And I think plenty of people realize and believe that if the Vikings-Eagles game had been in Minnesota instead of Philadelphia, maybe those two or three plays that set the stage for the blowout go the other way and the Vikings win that game. So a lot of pressure on the Eagles, self-imposed, but you're at the top of the mountain now and everyone is coming after you. And they're going to have to get it done, at least initially, with Nick Foles playing quarterback as they hope that Carson Wentz can get back sooner rather than later. All right, I've babbled long enough. Let me answer some of your questions. I put the call out a little while ago. Not a lot of questions today. You know, some days there are like 100 I have to sift through. Today it's a reasonable amount. Let's see what we have here. PFT PM Posse member at Scola's in session. While judges and juries are to remain impartial, does the fact that Kaepernick has been paid by Nike hurt his chance at a favorable ruling? Could the revelation nudge a judge slash jury toward figuring he's doing fine without winning this? When you know that's a good question, but here's the thing. He's not going to face a jury. It's an arbitration. And typically, you want to face a jury when you're an individual who believes you've been wronged by a big company because the jury is more likely to be sympathetic toward you. And even if they don't understand the law and they have questions about the facts, ultimately there's a Robin Hood quality to all of it. Rob from the rich and give to the poor. So if it is viewed that you don't need the money, then it becomes harder to convince the jury to show that sympathy to you. But that's not an issue here. In this case, it comes down to the concept of collusion. Was there an orchestrated effort among the teams or I think more likely from an evidence standpoint – the league office sending out message to the teams that it's bad for business to do business with Colin Kaepernick. That's all that matters. I think this Nike deal has no relevance whatsoever to whether or not Kaepernick prevails in the collusion grievance. And if anything, it could make the arbitrator question whether it is truly bad for business to do business with Colin Kaepernick, which means, here we go, I think I'm onto something. If the arbitrator comes to the conclusion that the NFL, this belief that the that it's bad for business to do business with Kaepernick, that that's undermined by Nike's decision to do business with Kaepernick, that makes it more likely that it wasn't coincidental that 32 teams aren't doing business with him, that it was the product of collusion. So it actually can help him. At PFTPM Posse, by using Colin Kaepernick in their latest Just Do It marketing campaign, will Nike open the eyes of the NFL and or owners that there's a large number of NFL fans that either vehemently agree with the president and or support the player's right to peacefully protest? Probably not. Well, no, get back to what I was saying earlier. Even if it, if it wasn't orchestrated by the NFL, and, and I, I love a good conspiracy theory, but I think Nike just did this on its own. But I think as a practical matter, organically, this reaction and the, the people in the apathetic middle sliding in the direction of Kaepernick will show that maybe there is a different way to view this and maybe it will wake some people up. And all it takes is one owner to say, I don't care that you don't want me doing business with this guy. I'm doing business with him. And let me just address one point there because I've seen recently some people saying that now the reason that Kaepernick remains unemployed is because he sued the NFL. You know, in most jurisdictions, there is legal protection against retaliation for making good faith claims of wrongdoing, of discrimination, of retaliation, of any type of workplace protection that you may have. And sometimes the retaliation case flowing from the fact that the person decide to defend his or her rights, that's an even stronger case. Because sometimes it's hard to piece together the motivation for why someone would 
would look dimly on a person for whatever reason, either because of some inherent characteristic or something they did. But when you file that lawsuit, you know, a lot of people think it's okay to shun someone who has had the audacity to pursue legal claims. It's not okay. It's not okay. And he can have a second claim here at some point that he's not employed, not because of anything that happened with anthem protests, but because, or more accurately, protests during the anthem, but because he had the willingness to sue and that caused the NFL owners to be even more determined not to hire him. That, that, there could be something with that at some point. Andrew Yeh asks hypothetically if, if Michigan were to play so poorly that it fired Jim Harbaugh how much NFL interest would he generate? Do you think he would get more money than John Gruden? Well, first of all, we don't know how much money Gruden's getting. He's said recently, he told Peter King, he's not getting $100 million. And I think that means, number one, the contract is backloaded. And number two, it's not $100 million guaranteed over 10 years. But I think there still would be interest in Jim Harbaugh. I think the Browns would be interested because they were several years ago. They almost did a trade with the 49ers for Harbaugh. He just didn't want to go at that time. The Dolphins went after Harbaugh. Back when Tony Sperano was the coach, they tried to get Harbaugh and it didn't work out. And that just made for an awkward final year in Miami before they hired Joe Philbin. But I think Stephen Ross, a huge Michigan donor, would be interested in Harbaugh. They'll be interested. Someone will be interested in Jim Harbaugh. Absolutely. I could see Harbaugh coaching again in the National Football League because he was effective. He was effective. And you know what? If somebody hires Jim Harbaugh next year, how does he not sign Colin Kaepernick right out of the gates? Remember, it was Jim Harbaugh that said last year on, what was that, on PFT Live? He was doing, uh, was it cashews or almonds or nut peanuts? He was doing some sort of a pistachios, I don't know. But uh, he, he said that Colin Kaepernick is a guy who will win championships with an S in the NFL. So, you know, as we're talking about Harbaugh possibly coming back to the NFL, Maybe that's the way Kaepernick gets back to the NFL. PFT PM Posse follows up with the question about Harbaugh by asking whether or not Jerry Jones and the Cowboys would be interested in Jim Harbaugh. Like with Bill Parcells, who turned the team around and got the taxpayers to believe Jerry Jones changed enough to fund Jerry World. Yeah, that's the thing. Jerry Jones wants to be responsible for the team that wins a championship. He already has three that come from a team he didn't build. He wants to build a champion. Now, could he decide, as he's getting older and he knows he's got fewer chances to win a championship, and maybe he just wants one more, maybe he will go out and find somebody and surrender control to him. I mean, as a practical matter, his son Steven and Jason Garrett are running the show now. If you find somebody who lets you think you're in charge, but they're in charge, and you win a Super Bowl and you can claim that you had something to do with it, Maybe that's good enough at this point because otherwise it could be no fourth Lombardi trophy for the Cowboys under Jerry Jones. Recliner QB, days before the 99th NFL season kicks off, and even though we've had a lot of huge monster contracts handed out to superstar players and all the other storylines, the number one storyline is still Colin Kaepernick, Nike, and how owners seem to be knowingly damaging their own interests. Hashtag helmet rules. Hey, the good news about the helmet rule that really has died down, and I think that the league handled it the only way they could. They can't convene a meeting of owners to change the rule. So they say they're not changing the rule, but they're changing the rule. And I think the way it's going to be applied is much more in line with where it needs to be applied, which is to get rid of spearing with the helmet, forcefully and deliberately using that helmet as a weapon. Now, as it relates to Kaepernick, 
Nike, etc. Yeah, here it is. It's permanent. It's like a scar. It's like a. It's like luggage, as uh, Eddie Murphy once said. Uh, it's permanent. You've got it forever, and it's not going away anytime soon. Valley Man Twelve wants to know what offering a contract to Eric Reed and Colin Kaepernick be an easy way out of the collusion case for the NFL. You know, at one point. Their attorney, Mark Garrigus, this was before Reed filed. He was still playing for the 49ers at the time. But Garrigus said regarding Kaepernick, all you got to do is put him on a team and I'll go away. And it may not be a good business decision for me to do that, but somebody sign him and I'll go away. And boy, they should have taken him up on that. I think at this point, it's too late. And if, and if the teams were smart, somebody would publicly offer him right now a one-year $10 million contract. I mean, look at it. Josh McCown is getting $10 million for one year to essentially be an assistant coach in New York because Sam Darnold's going to be the quarterback. One year, $10 million to be the backup quarterback or to come in and compete in the event we need you, in the event someone gets injured. Why not do that? Why not make that offer? And if he says no, does that help you? It can't hurt at this point. I don't know. I guess it would be regarded as an effort to try to put the toothpaste back in the tube, but you know what? It's still an effort to put the toothpaste back in the tube. From a PR standpoint, it would help. From a collusion case standpoint, I don't know. But from a PR standpoint, it would help. And they need to start worrying about PR, especially if that apathetic middle slides toward Kaepernick as a result of the Nike ads. Kirk in Lufkin do you think the Steelers will rescind the franchise tag a la Josh Norman so he couldn't get fair market value this year? Who has the cap room to sign him? There's not a team out there that does that can get to the Super Bowl. I don't know that he cares about getting to the Super Bowl. I think he wants to get paid. And he probably thinks that his presence alone helps make a non-Super Bowl contender into at least a playoff contender. And I can't help but wonder whether or not Le'Veon Bell opted not to show up on Monday just as one last chance to kind of dare the Steelers to rescind the tender. Because... The Khalil Mack contract, that made me think differently about whether or not Le'Veon Bell would get a big deal if he suddenly was available on the open market because Khalil Mack was suddenly available and even though the rosters were set and were a week away from the start of the season, the Bears dug deep and they came up with $23.5 million a year. And I think they would have paid even more than that, dramatically more than that, if they wouldn't have had to give up two first-round draft picks and the other picks that got exchanged in order to get the deal done. How much more do you pay if you don't have to give up those draft picks? Do you pay $30 million a year? I don't know. But it convinced me that Le'Veon Bell will get paid if he's suddenly available. And I think he's hoping, one last chance, that the Steelers rescind the tender. But I think Wednesday he shows up. You know, he's already said that he's going to have his best year ever. He's promised Steelers fans he's going to have his best year ever. And I know people change their position. But his agent came out and said, barring something exceptional, Bell is going to show up for week one. In week one. And I think he'll be there Wednesday. If he doesn't show up Wednesday, that will be a, a surprise to me. And one thing I'm trying to find out, exactly when he can show up and still get his $855,000 this week with the understanding that the Steelers can use roster exemption and try to pay him less. I'm going to try to track down some information on that as soon as we wrap up this Tuesday edition of the PFTPM podcast. Let's see what else we have going on here. Andrew Yeh, how are be watching the Thursday night game, sideline box, what's your schedule like when there's a Thursday night and Sunday night game? All right, you want me to navel gaze, I'll navel gaze. We're here, here in Philadelphia until Friday morning. I couldn't get a flight home Thursday night to do PFT Live from the studio in West Virginia, but we don't have a full-blown rehearsal this year. Here's a normal year. Every other year I've been here, we do the Thursday night game, 
then after the Thursday night game, we get to Connecticut or New York City. We're now in Stanford, used to be in Manhattan at 30 Rock. But we'd make that trip there to get ready on Saturday with a rehearsal for the first Sunday of the regular season. This year, because Mike Tirico does Notre Dame games and Rob Hyland, the coordinating producer of Football Night in America, does the Notre Dame games, they won't be available on Saturday. So I get to go home Friday, and then on Saturday night I'll go to Connecticut and get ready for week one. So it's a fairly straightforward week. Three days in Philly, day home, day or two in Connecticut, and then week one uh, is in the books, and we start moving toward week two. At the game on Thursday night, we'll have all-access passes on the sideline, so I can watch the game on the sideline if I want to. There'll be an area in the stadium where we've got multiple different TVs and food, and it's going to be a lot cooler than it will be out on the on the sideline. So I'll, I'll probably go back and forth, but uh, we'll be there for the whole game on Thursday night, or at least for most of the game. And it's neat It's neat being in a stadium. I like being at a game. I like being in a stadium. There's an electricity to it that when you're in the studio, you don't feel the same way. So I, I, I like that first game of the season. I like the playoff games that we do. I like the, the Super Bowl from that standpoint of being at the game as opposed to being in a studio. All right, what else do we have here? At Exegis, do you think Matt... Patricia is strategically having the guys sucking on defense to blindside Sam Darnold and the Jets week one. You know the Patriot way. Look, I just don't read into anything that's happened in the preseason as any indication of what's going to happen in the regular season. Matt Patricia is going to have a plan. And look at how Bill Belichick's defenses always have done against rookie quarterbacks. Well, Matt Patricia had been there for 14 years. So I think against a rookie quarterback, he's going to have something that is going to make it hard for Sam Darnold to figure out on the fly how to get things done. At Dan Schneider's, why has the LaShawn McCoy case been so quiet? Did I miss something or are they doing a good job of keeping things quiet? Let's just rewind to July. There was the allegation made by his ex-girlfriend that McCoy had someone show up at a house he owns in Georgia to retrieve jewelry that McCoy had bought for her and through the process she was viciously beaten. Now the police have been investigating and the NFL seems to be willing to defer to the police investigation. I am confused as to why the NFL didn't immediately launch its own investigation because look, if this was something that LaShawn McCoy set up and there was an understanding that there was going to be no violence inflicted. This would just go get the jewelry and things got out of hand. Like, you know, something you'd see in Fargo where just something crazy happens. Like, you know, she hit the guy with a candelabra or something and, and he reacted and beat her up. I, I mean, if, if there's a, a, a storyline like that that plays out, then you get LaShawn McCoy's phone ASAFP and you see if there's any texts on there that would be the smoking gun. Because the thing is, you know, I mean, the jails aren't full of people who are smart. You know, people get caught. And if the NFL had investigated this aggressively right out of the gates, maybe they would have found enough to put them on the commissioner exempt list. But now they're waiting instead for this investigation to conclude. And, and who knows what the local authorities are going to do. But it feels like it's going to go away, although it just smells. The whole thing has an odor to it that it would be one hell of a coincidence that someone completely disconnected from this crew shows up and steals jewelry that LaShawn McCoy bought for Delisha Corden, beats her up and leaves. And there's no connection whatsoever to anybody involved in this. I just feel like that, that it's not a random 
job, that whether it's a connection to McCoy, whether it's a connection to her, whether it's a connection to somebody else, I feel like that with enough investigation, they're going to be able to show that this was not some random act. At a red zone arc, are we starting to see more anxious Doug Peterson now that Carson Wentz is not starting the season for Philly? Yes. The pressure on Peterson to replicate what they did with Nick Foles. And it started last year in the playoffs with the game against the Falcons, and the Falcons gave them the best game that anyone did in the postseason. So I think there is stress. We heard so much about emotional intelligence of Doug Peterson. What we saw on Sunday was not an emotionally intelligent interaction with the media, and I think someone probably put him up to coming back the next day and being somewhat contrite and apologetic and announcing that Nick Foles would be the starter. At Toddster1224, do you believe that a lack of cash on hand for a guaranteed contract led the Raiders to trade Khalil Mack? I think that was one of the factors, but I think it has more to do with the budget. You know, we talk about cash and cap space. The budget that a team sets in the offseason is critical to what they are going to be able to do or not do when the season begins or when the spending begins. And I think that the Raiders took whatever money they had earmarked for Mack and spent it on other players. I don't, I don't buy the idea that you can't afford Mack and Derek Carr. Derek Carr is no longer being paid at the top of the market. Derek Carr is $8.5 million off of what Aaron Rodgers is now making at the top of the market. You could have afforded Khalil Mack. They just didn't want to. And more specifically, they didn't want to pay him what he wanted in February. And then John Gruden, I believe, got pissed off when he didn't take it and said, screw him. We'll keep him this year at $13.846 million, and we'll deal with it next year. The only problem, he was fully intent to hold out in the regular season. And once Aaron Donald's deal got done, Khalil Mack and the Raiders knew it's not happening in Oakland, but the Bears will do it. So let's get this trade done. And that's why it all happened so quickly. All right, let's see what else we have here. I don't know. This PFT bot banner, is this a is this a bot? Is this truly a bot? It generates the strangest, most random comments. I guess it is. I guess it's a random comment generator. What would the players have to say about that? About what? That's the question. I don't know. Macy Florio, using her non-opposable thumbs to access, apparently, uh, she got on one of the, uh, the, the computers at the house. Hey, Pops, when are you coming home? Don't worry, I'll protect. <laughs> oh, really? All right. Just, I, I, I don't want to go down that, that path. But, but thank you, Macy. I'll be home. I'll be home soon. Uh, take, take care. Macy is big now. Don't, don't, let, Macy is going to be a good guard dog. Let me tell you. When she smells or hears something, that bark, that bark would wake me up out of a coma. And the problem is every once in a while I hear that bark in the middle of the night, but, you know, because there's something outside that gets her attention. But there isn't anybody. Security system's great. There isn't anybody getting into our house with that dog around. That, that's one of the big reasons we got her. But uh, already at five months old and closing in on 50 pounds and uh, do not mess with Macy. Madro 33, new schedule idea, 18-week season, two bye weeks, all buys done before Thanksgiving, 18 weeks of TV revenue, more money in the next TV contract, no extra games for the players. Yeah, they tried that one year, and for some reason they didn't continue doing it. I, I, I think it's, you know, from a fantasy football standpoint, it was like 93, maybe they did it two years. Think about that, it's hard enough to engineer around one buy. Do you really want to dick around with two buys when you're playing fantasy football? I don't think so. And they don't want more weekends necessarily, although it's nice to have more primetime games. They just want more games. If you have more games, you have more weekends. You have more primetime games. You have more inventory for selling tickets and putting games on TV. They don't want 256 games. They want, what would it be? 288? Is that right? 
256 plus 32, 288, carry the one. There's no one to carry. That's what they want. Now, and, and they're going, I believe, they are going to get there in the next CBA. At a minimum 17 games, they're going to get more games, even if they have to do that weird 18 games with a per-player limit of 16. At the Real Forno, what stadium that you've been to provides the best atmosphere? Well, uh, it's a stadium that no longer exists. There is something special about Three Rivers Stadium. I was there the day they beat the Colts to advance to Super Bowl 30. I thought the first deck was going to collapse onto the – the upper deck was going to collapse onto the lower deck. That's how much it was shaking when the Steelers went ahead late in the game. On the drive, I think it was the drive where Quentin Coriat had the ball right in his hands – and he would have scored uh, a touchdown, and that would have been it. And the Colts would have played the Cowboys in the Super Bowl. Would have been a rematch of Super Bowl V. That was not to be. The Steelers scored. Jim Harbaugh had that Hail Mary that he threw at the end that was almost caught. And it, it very easily could have been ruled incorrectly. And that was in the years when we didn't have instant replay in the NFL. But that atmosphere that day was uh, – th- that was the most intense that, uh, that I've seen because I've been to three AFC championship games involving the Steelers just because when it happens in Pittsburgh, it's so close. How can you not go to something like that? The other two weren't nearly as compelling because the Steelers got, got uh, pretty much blown off the field, both of them by the Patriots. All right, Matt Yvonne, is Reggie McKenzie still the GM of the Raiders? Perhaps our good friend Amy Trask knows. I find it incredible that Mark Davis would pay a head coach who hasn't had a job in a decade, $100 million, but refused to pay $90 million in guaranteed money to a defensive MVP entering his prime. I don't think Mark Davis had anything to do with the decision. I think it was Gruden. And they, they hired Gruden so that it wouldn't be as awkward when they left Oakland and so that they would have a good carnival barker when they roll into Las Vegas. Because regardless of how good of a coach John Gruden is or isn't at this stage of his career, he can sell. And he's going to sell that team in Vegas. He's going to have a hard time selling this move. And it's going to be interesting to see the reaction Monday night when the Raiders host the Rams to start the season. It's going to be very interesting to see how that plays out. But, uh, yeah, I think Gruden miscalculated this one. And there's going to be uh, a short honeymoon if the honeymoon isn't already over for Gruden and the Raiders. All right, let's see what else we got here. I got to wrap this up. I got to be somewhere in a little bit. The Real Forno, while the NFL is known to overreact to things in the past, do you believe the NFL might try to use this to get out of the Nike deal? Is there any kind of language that could be in a contract that could be used to get them out of it? Yeah, I said earlier today on PFT Live that, that uh, you know, if people are angry at the league office, and they presumably are angry that Nike did this, the first thing you do is look at the contract and you see if there is anything in there you could use if the powers that be decide they want out. That's part of what being a lawyer is from the standpoint of planning and strategizing. There's nothing to litigate at this point. It's just tell me what the contract says. Tell me what it means. Tell, <clears throat> tell me what our options are and tell me what can happen if we pursue these options. I don't think they'll do it, but I'd be shocked if they didn't pull up the Nike contract today, if somebody at 345 Park Avenue didn't pull up the Nike contract and see what the terms were for premature termination of the deal. Toddster1224, does an unsigned franchise tag expire when the regular season starts? If Le'Veon Bell misses week one, is it likely the Steelers would rescind it? The only thing that happens if he misses week one is he doesn't get paid for week one. He can still show up in week two and get and sign his tender and get the, the pro rata share of his $14.54 million. It's $8.55 a week. And so if he doesn't show up this week, that $8.55 goes away forever. Now, there's a point 
like around week eight or so where it's important to show up, but he's not under contract. I think you can wait until week 10. I think for, if you're under contract, you need to show up with roughly eight games left to get credit for the contract year. If you're not under contract, he just has to sign by the Tuesday after week 10, which would give him seven times 855. That's about, what, six million bucks? And uh, then he would hit free agency next year. But, but if he stays away that long, that tells me he wants to reduce any wear and tear on his body. And that tells me that you're not going to be able to count on him to really go out and, and carry the day. And at some point between the start of the season and week 10, I think the Steelers would just say, screw it and rescind the franchise tag. I, I, I don't know that you want to pay him eight fifty five a week when it's clear that he's doing the bare minimum to, to, to get through this year and get to free agency. Last question, Niners season, any Philly meetups in the next two days? Drinks on me. Yeah, I appreciate the offer, but uh, I, uh, I got to pass. I got to pass. I, I, I appreciate very much the audience, but uh, the idea of meeting up with somebody I've never met before and possibly getting jacked upside the head with a sock full of pennies, not my idea of a good time in Philadelphia. So I, uh, I'm just going to hang out and uh, I'll have a cocktail when I get home on Friday night from this Philly excursion. Looking forward to the next few days. We'll try to do this again tomorrow. Thursday, as I said, is going to be difficult because we'll be at the stadium most of the afternoon. Friday, we'll do a PFT PM podcast from the friendly confines of the home studio in West Virginia. Thanks, as always, for your support. PFT Live tomorrow, Chris Sims will be joining me and we will commence that really final countdown. This is it. We are there. We are just a couple of days away from the start of the regular season. It should be a great one. I'm getting a sense that people are excited again about the NFL. We had a 17% increase in traffic for the month of August over last year. That tells me people are coming back to the NFL, and I think the numbers are going to be up this year, and it should be a great season. Looking forward to being with you every step of the way. Thanks again. We'll talk tomorrow. You can find the PFTPM podcast on Art19, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and Google Play. If you like what you hear, and you will, subscribe for automatic downloads. Leave a rating and review. That'll help new listeners find our show and push us up the charts. Search PFTPM for your evening update from Pro Football Talk.